Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Have you ever wondered what it is our kids learn about computers at school? When I was in kindy, the Commodore 64 had just been released to the public. Technology, of course, has moved on since then, but just how much digital literacy do our kids need and what does the school curriculum cover? James Curran is the director of the Australian Computer Academy and a digital curriculum writer, so he knows what he's talking about. Hi, James. How are you? Hi. When this current digital curriculum that we're talking about today, um, I want to ask you when was it implemented, but maybe I should ask when was it written? Right. So the writing process began back in 2010 with what's called a shaping paper that says this is roughly the kind of things we want in it. The writing started in earnest um, in July 2012, um, just after my now six and a half year old son was born. (laughs) And um, some states and territories like New South Wales, for example, are only just starting to implement it now in 2019. Which sounds crazy, right? Because... I may have only, you know, the Commodore 64 may have been released 40 years ago, however long, Uh, but lots of things change in just a short period of time. Why does it take so long to roll out? Well, I think um, change in schools generally is something that takes a long time. So you're talking 180,000 teachers around Australia, Mm -hmm. many of which never did computing at school themselves. If they were lucky, they got to play with the Commodore 64. I think that's an excellent (laughs) place to start. Um, uh, And most of them didn't learn much about it at university. Um, when they were training to be teachers. And for that matter now, even new teachers aren't getting as much in terms of digital technologies as we really think they should. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's saying we need to equip our children for the future. But then how are we doing that if it's taking a long time? Now, I obviously see the logistical issues behind rolling that out across the country. Um, are some states and territories doing picking it up quicker than others? Yeah, I think some jurisdictions, especially some smaller ones like the ACT, have the advantage with a small geographic area that they can start things a lot earlier and tend to have a more flexible curriculum. Um, Places like New South Wales, we're renowned, in fact, nationally for having the most tied down um, (laughs) curriculum documents in the whole country, right through to our um, fairly um, uh, gladiatorial um, HSC type system. So, uh, it really does take a while to, to first of all, translate it into each particular state and territory. And we call it a national curriculum, but unfortunately, some of our states and territories have diverged a bit from what was the original national goal. But then it really comes down to resourcing. We, we actually give teachers very little time for their own learning. And I don't think that's a problem specifically about digital technologies. But if you want to ask a teacher to teach something that they've never done before in their lives, like write a computer program, for example, and teach kids how to code and analyze data and things that are in this new curriculum, then we need to resource it and we need to spend time training teachers and we need to give them enough time to learn it themselves so that when they're doing it with kids, they are at least a little bit confident about it. Let's go to what you're talking about there in terms of content, Um, because you you were just talking about coding and writing computer programs, etc., How do you work out what's appropriate to teach uh, infants, particularly when 
you would be like me and when you were in primary school, you wouldn't have been taught this kind of thing. It's, it's very new. How do you work out what to teach children? So we, we have the benefit of lots of schools have actually tried teaching various coding activities and talking about algorithms and so on um, uh, to a range of kids. So we know that there are activities like Scratch and Scratch Junior that kids that are as young as in year one and two are capable of attacking. Now, and the is curriculum- that like a game? Or? So Scratch Junior is an iPad um, app that you can install that gets kids starting to write code by dragging and dropping blocks and essentially there's a cat on the screen, quite a famous cat in the sense of there are so many scratch projects out there. You can move the cat around, you can make it respond to um, various things in the environment it's in and it's a game-like environment but ultimately it allows students to write code to do anything they want within within that environment. And so we know that kids are capable of doing that. In fact, my general experience is it's not a question of what the kids can do but it's a question of what the teachers feel comfortable with. Um, other parts of the curriculum, like algorithms. So an algorithm is. You said that. So, I've yeah. heard algorithm, and I'm thinking, no. No. So it's it's not scary, and I think okay. this is one of the key messages about yep. digital technologies: is that many of the ideas we're talking about are things that we actually do all of the time, and we teach all of the time. So an algorithm is simply a sequence of steps and decisions needed to solve a problem. So every time you're following a recipe following driving instructions somewhere or in any other way going through a sequence of steps even a you know a lego kit and the instructions for that or heaven forbid for adults ikea um, <laughs> is an algorithm to you know make a bed make a cake and so on and so teachers teach algorithms all the time um One of my favorite examples, if you're looking at something like spelling rules, so if you take a word like run in its base form as a verb and turn it into running, the progressive form, you follow an algorithm and the algorithm goes, well, what's the last letter? And it's an N and that's one of a small set of consonants where you have to double that N and then put ING on the end. Now, that's an example of an algorithm. What we haven't done in the past is talk about that as a more general idea. So we teach kids all of these different algorithms and another area, all of these different data representations like spelling, um, like drawing symbols, all kinds of different things without actually showing them the underlying ideas in all of that. And that's part of what digital technologies is about. And that's something that's accessible to every single teacher and every single um, adult who's interacting um, with a child, be it from kindergarten right the way through. Some of the other ideas, like learning to write code, is challenging and is new. But the thing is, the kids are actually really good at it. And so what we really need is for a teacher to have the self-confidence to say, you know what, kids, I'm learning this along with you. And some of the time, a kid is going to come in and they don't need to be that old. You can have a year three kid come in and go, I was mucking around with Scratch on the weekend and look what I've produced. And the teacher can look at that and go, my God, that's more than I've had time to work out how to do. But if a teacher can change their mindset so they're on essentially the same side of the desk saying, we're all learning this together, then not only um, is that teacher giving those children an opportunity to learn about digital technologies and explore, but is actually modeling positive learning behavior um, as a teacher. And that's something you rarely get to do in the classroom because most of the time as a teacher, you expect to be on top of the curriculum and on top of all of the skills and knowledge that you're trying to impart to the kids. You're not going to get spelling wrong. No, you're not going to get spelling wrong. And the kind of maths you Mm -hmm. do is going to be the level that you're comfortable teaching in the classroom. 
digital technologies does upend that a bit and I can see how that would be professionally a little bit scary for teachers but it's a massive opportunity to completely change the dynamic in one particular subject so you know you can tell I'm pretty excited about this it's not just the content that gets me excited it's even the ways that we can actually teach this differently in the classroom. Yeah I know it sounds exciting Um, and even from a parent's perspective like because there's no way I know anything about coding. So just allowing them to show you what they learn and learning with them. Right. Absolutely. I think the fear is thinking, oh, do I actually have to know that? Because then I'll be in trouble. Yeah. And um, when we were um, launching our cybersecurity challenges, which hopefully we'll get to in a minute, the um, one of the uh, chief information security officers said the typical thing in a home uh, environment with technology is ask the 15-year-old. And so, you know, that learning is already happening in that kind of way at home, but our structured approach in school isn't quite always ready and teachers aren't always ready to let go and say, yeah, we'll just see how our kids go with it. Um, The other part of it is we do need to give teachers that extra backup that says, look, if you and the kids can't nut it out in the classroom, here's who you can call, here's who you can send an email to, which will, you know, by the time you come back to class the next day, say, hey, kids, I knew we couldn't couldn't solve that thing yesterday, but I've talked to some experts and here's the answer. So Mm. we definitely need to be supporting teachers a lot more. Absolutely. Now, we will get to the cybersecurity in a minute, but when we talk about um, teaching our young children these computer skills, we always talk, we have this nebulous idea about jobs of the future. We don't know what they'll be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is that the aim of this curriculum, is, is getting them prepared for an unknown future, or have we got more solid outcomes now? Of course, the technology is always going to be one step ahead of us. But when you were writing the curriculum, did you have a solid goal or was it that looking at the future and just trying to prepare them? Oh, look, I think it's it's all of those things you've mentioned. So um, I think any curriculum that doesn't have um, uh, some element of uh, preparing kids with skills and knowledge they need for future job opportunities is missing something important. By the same token, you can't stare into that crystal ball and know what those jobs are. There are so many jobs now that didn't even exist, not even the name, but, you know, the concept of the job didn't exist, you know, social media influencer, just one random idea. Um, So preparing students for specific jobs, I think, is a mistake. The thing with digital technologies is, first of all, technology has already remade nearly every aspect of our lives. You only need to talk to a taxi driver to know that industries that we thought a few years ago couldn't be completely disruptive have been substantially and irreparably changed. Um, And so what we need is for kids to have more general skills. And a lot of what you're learning in digital technologies is how information is processed and manipulated so that in the future you are in command of that process. And right at the moment, too often we've got kids who are passive users of their devices. And I think we get very easily confused by the fact that if our kids are on their mobile phones all of the time or are comfortable using an iPad, that they must know it all. And this idea of a digital native, I think is a compelling one, but is actually a bit far from the truth. Because even if we look at, so there there are two different sets of skills. There's digital literacy on the one hand, which is your kind of fundamental ICT skills. And then beyond that, you've got digital technologies, which is how do you rather than just be a consumer of the technology, actually start to become a creator of that technology. And the analogy that I like to use that helps with that is that there's a difference between English and numeracy Numeracy is like our digital 
uh, literacy um, skills, but then mathematics has far more in it than just numeracy. You've got algebra and calculus and all kinds of higher level skills that build on top of numeracy. In the same way with digital technologies, we've got the digital literacy skills first. If you can't type, um, if you don't know how to use your standard um, productivity packages um, and so on, you don't know how to send an email, then you don't have that basis. But then on top of that, how do you solve problems using um, digital technologies in a more sophisticated way? Write code to solve a problem. Analyze data in a spreadsheet in a more sophisticated way. Um, Visualize information um, in a way that um, brings to light new information. All of those higher order skills sit on top of that digital literacy. And I think we've assumed too much that kids have those um, digital literacy skills. I would wager that the majority of kids now are no better at using a um, word processor than they were in the 1990s and potentially even when you know the Commodore 64 came out. So some of those skills haven't changed Now, we have introduced other skills. Kids are developing skills in using and managing social media, not always necessarily to the level we'd like, but they are genuine skills that, um, in many cases, educators don't recognize as a particular skill set, and we should. But at the same time, the fundamentals of how you use these digital systems most effectively so that Um, You're doing whatever job you want to do more effectively and more efficiently and hopefully more enjoyably is building on top of those skills. And that doesn't matter whether, you know, you're planning to become a software engineer or whether you're planning to be a scientist or an engineer or any other area where you deal with information all of the time. And that's practically every job. We'll be back with James Curran on Feed, Play, Love right after this. Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club. Come on, we've all been there. We've all pushed our children's poo (laughs) down down the plug of the shower or bath. One that only other parents and carers can truly understand. The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children, with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. Running a home takes a lot of energy. So at Energy Australia, we've created the Total Energy Plan. An energy plan that, yes, ticks the boxes. Get a discount off your total energy bill, guaranteed. No lock-in contracts and fixed rates for 12 months. Find out how you can save with our Total Energy Plan. Energy Australia. Light the way. Conditions apply. To view basic plan information documents, visit energyaustralia.com.au. Uh, there's an element of this that I'm sure you will talk about now in terms of cybersecurity. But for me, when you talk about digital literacy, the part that I want my children to learn even more in some ways than that is the social aspect of technology. Mm-hmm. So I know that there's a cybersecurity program uh, for high schools. Are we looking at anything like that for our infant and primary school kids? So absolutely. So in terms of the curriculum itself, one of the key, let's say, lines of skills that are developed right from kindergarten through to year 10 is about communication and collaboration. And um, those things have ended up in the digital technologies curriculum. I believe that communication and collaboration doesn't actually belong in any particular learning area, but we've grabbed it with both hands and are really... um, 
developing a sequence of skills that students should be learning right from kindergarten. And some of that is using technology to do it. You know, you can collaborate with someone anywhere in the world um, if you know how to use those those collaborative tools. But it's also the, the social side is also everything from turn taking um, to, you know, behaving in a way online that is... Um, uh, that is aware that there's another person on the other end. And I think, you know, a lot of the elements where we have problems in, you know, cyber safety, bullying, etc., are actually an inability to see a person on the other end of those interactions because the device has gone in the way. Um, so all of those things are both in the ICT capability, which is those general digital literacy skills that should go right across the curriculum and the digital technologies curriculum itself. Now, in terms of cybersecurity skills specifically, the challenges that we're launching, the school cybersecurity challenges, are designed for year 7 to 12 students at this point in time. But we actually did a trial just last week with um, about 80 primary school teachers over in Perth. And um, nearly every single one of them said, when can we have a version of this for year 5 and 6 kids? And part of that is you really want kids thinking about issues on social media, for example, giving away their date of birth. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that um, it's not even necessarily the kids are doing that, but also their parents, you know, and we all celebrate, you know, special milestones. For example, when your child first goes to school, you take a photo either in their school uniform that's got the crest on it, um, or you take a photo outside of the school itself. Um, and that, uh, you know, reveals the school. Now, in itself, that seems like a pretty innocent thing to do. But if you think about the kind of security questions various online systems have asked you to fill out in the past, one of those is what was the first school you went to? Um, and so getting kids and their parents and their teachers to understand that whilst social media sharing is going to happen in every form and it's you know that genie is entirely out of the bottle and telling kids, no, don't do it, or parents for that matter, just isn't going to work being more aware of how particular pieces of information could at some point in the future be reflected back on um, to, to those kids. And a very easy example of that would be um, you get a phone call from someone purporting to be your teleco and they say, uh, looks like we've got a strange transaction on your account. We think we might be accidentally billing you another two or $300 a month everyone's going to react, whoa, hang on, how can I fix that? And they start telling you things like, well, let me just confirm some information about you. On record, we've got your date of birth as this, and this is the answer to this security question, and you're nodding along going, yep, yep, all of that's true. In the, at the same time, you're developing trust in the person on the other end, and then they ask you, uh, well, I just need your credit card details now so that I can reverse this transaction. And of course, because you've received information about yourself that you believe is private, but actually you and others around you have shared, it means that um, you're quite confident that you're actually talking to a genuine, you know, um, operator at the at the teleco. And so you hand over your credit card and your PIN, and before you know it, you've got a massive transaction um, that's fraudulent that you have no idea where that's come from, um, and all because we're not teaching kids or their parents, what kind of information is safe to share online. And then also later on, you know, sensible password policies, using a password manager, all of those kind of things. So at the moment, the target for that is year seven to 12, because that's the most urgent area, kids that are already on social media. Um, but uh, 
in terms of whether younger kids are able to understand that and start engaging with it, absolutely. And we've already got teachers clamoring for it. So watch out for that in the next few months. Look, before you go, you did mention that um, these things take a a while to roll out, but that they are happening in certain places. Um, Teachers can be overwhelmed with the work they have on their plate. But if this is something that's important to you as a parent and your child is in kinder or one, year one, um, what what can they do? Can they advocate to their PNC or go directly to their teachers and say, listen, I know there's a digital curriculum. I don't think our kids are learning it. I'd love them to. I mean, what's can parents get involved oh, in that process? Oh, absolutely. And I think um, a little bit of parent pester power is actually, <laughs> a lot of times is what schools need because, you know, to be fair, they have a lot of priorities and knowing that parents consider this stuff important, I think is is a very... Uh, is a critical signal for both classroom teachers and principals. So here are some things you can do. Number one, ask your school uh, and your classroom teachers, what are you doing with the Australian Curriculum Digital Technologies? That's the formal name of the the subject. Um, In New South Wales, it's called the New Science and Technology um, Syllabus, and that kicks in from this year. So some schools will start this year and some will start next year in those terms. Um, and if the answer is we're not doing much yet, then um, you know saying, well, my understanding is that it's mandatory um, is the first thing, because it is absolutely right around the country. Every Australian child from kindergarten to year eight should be doing the new digital technologies subject. And then the final thing is to start directing teachers um, and school leaders towards some of the resources that do exist. So our set of resources on the Australian Computing Academy website, which is aca.edu.au, gives teachers right from kindergarten through to year 10 resources and support for how to actually implement digital technologies. And the kind of support, I mean, we literally have a phone line that if a teacher is stuck, um, they can ring up and say, hey, I don't understand this particular part of the curriculum. And the people that we have in the Computing Academy, including myself, wrote the curriculum. So it's, you know, we can give a very authoritative answer. Um, This is the kind of thing you need to do at this particular year level for these kinds of students. Um, And really, um, with that kind of support and knowing that teachers should be learning along with the students rather than knowing everything before they enter the classroom is the way to go. I think the other part is that almost every school... Um, in the country, definitely in metro areas, will have some parent that actually has something to do with the IT industry or more broadly the the technology, science, engineering um, industries as well. And so this is an area where having a parent who's got that extra um, skill will really be welcomed in the classroom. And um, I know for a lot of um, a lot of IT professionals that I talk to, they sit at home frustrated. Um, about the fact that what kids are talking about in terms of digital technologies at school is not where those parents know it should be. I would say go into school, offer your services, say I know there are some resources out there on places like the ACA website. I'm happy to help you deliver some of that material um, and I think classroom teachers would be very thankful of yeah, that. Come in, come yeah, in. Yeah, come in, exactly. <laughs> okay, Jake, well, it sounds very exciting. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks very much for your time. That's James Curran. He's the director of the Australian Computing Academy and Australian Digital Curriculum Writer. Children and television. How do we know when they're watching quality content? 
And how do we make sure that's all they're watching? Just because something's on TV doesn't necessarily mean it's good quality either. So underlying, you know, kids' TV programs and the development of them, it might be the toy company that's actually developed that particular animation or series. That's Dr Joanne Orlando, an expert in children and digital world. She'll be explaining what good quality television looks like and what to do once your child migrates online to places like YouTube. For that conversation, join us for the next episode of Feed, Play, Love. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.